In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Good morning. Great to see you here today. We are in our final week of the season, the church season of Epiphany. We're in the final week of a three-week sermon series on the vision of the church. Now, it's printed on the back of the bulletin. You can read it along with me, or you can say it from memory if you are really cool. But uh, let's say it together. Uh, Church of our Savior exists to help people wherever they are in their spiritual journey to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. So in this, this short series, we have been focusing on that phrase, relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to make sure that we understand that, it, that Jesus is not only an example to follow. I mean, he certainly is that. But he is also a resurrected and living person to know. He's not just a God up there, but a Savior in here. So two weeks ago, we began by asking the question, uh, what is a relationship with Christ? And we said that the heart of Christianity is not principally about what we do, but instead is the, the heart of Christianity is that God knows us all the way through and loves us anyway. Right? That He loves us such that He died an unjust death on a cross under the consequence of our sin so that we can enjoy the relationship that He has with the Father. So, just to put it that in a nutshell, the heart of Christianity is grace. It's grace. Unearned, fully knowing, and freely given. So last week, we asked, well, how do we live into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the word that Jesus used in John chapter 15 is abide. He said, abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. We looked at the importance of worship and fellowship and spiritual growth and um, through Bible study and prayer. And if you missed those and you're interested, you can look on our website and hear those or we have a podcast on iTunes and you can look, uh, listen to those. And I hope you will. But this week, we want to know what we should expect of this relationship. Uh, what, we want to finish the series by asking, what does a relationship with Jesus Christ produce? Which is to say, what is our response to this incredible divine love that we have been given? What does that relationship do in us and to us and through us? So we're going to spend most of our time answering that question from our passage from the book of Acts. But first, I want to give you the right glasses to wear. And we want to get those glasses, uh, the lens that we want to see actually from our gospel passage in Luke that Father Trent just read. So we have, uh, in this passage in Luke, we have Jairus, who was a community leader. He was a synagogue ruler, surely very well educated, uh, very well respected in the community. And he was desperate because his daughter uh, was dying. On the other hand, we have the hemorrhaging woman, who was practically Jairus's opposite, right? She would have been a social outsider because of her physical condition. She would have been ceremonially unclean. She would have been religiously unwelcome because of her bleeding. Uh, therefore, she likely would not have darkened the door of a synagogue for many years. And therefore, uh, we can see that many perhaps even including Jairus, uh, many would have believed her condition to be God's judgment for some sin that she had committed. 
She's poor. She spent all her money on physicians to no avail. So likely she's very weak. So she's bleeding all the time. And she also is desperate. So two people from opposite ends of the social and religious spectrum. This is why we say wherever, we exist to help people wherever they are in their spiritual journey, right? Wide front door. But both of them come to Jesus. Jesus is for everybody. And they come out of an awareness of their need. And both experience a dramatic change as a result of Jesus, right? Healing, wholeness, restoration, new life. They meet Jesus and there is inevitable change. Inevitable change. And that really is the pair of glasses that I want you to uh, put on as we take a look at our passage from Acts. A a relationship with Jesus will not leave you alone. Uh, It is chain. Now change is not a prerequisite, right? It doesn't It's not a requirement that precedes that relationship. The relationship is freely given, fully knowing, abiding, but it is also inevitably changing. We expect, that we want in many ways, for Jesus to change us. Not in a manipulative or dissatisfied way, but in the sense that Christ taking up residence within us sets us free. Gives us new life. Makes us Whole, and then he uses us to manifest his glory in the world around us. So, let's take a look at Acts chapter 2, very well-known verse. Take a look through those glasses that expect that our own relationship with Jesus produces something in us. This is a, this is a description, not a prescription, but a description of the earliest church, not long after Jesus has ascended and the Holy Spirit has come down at Pentecost. This passage shows us five things that an abiding, life-giving relationship with Jesus will produce. If you have a pen, you can write uh, in it sort of successively down a little acronym, the word FISTS. Like, and you've been watching the Olympics. Anybody been watching the Olympics? I have, and I pump my fists a lot. Woo, that's great. So, and and I'm sorry, that's the best I could do because I am not non-denominational. But FISTS, F-I-S-T-S, the F in this passage is faithfulness. Faithfulness. A relationship with Jesus produces faithfulness. Now you might think it goes the other way, right? It might be more intuitive to think that God gives his favor to the faithful. But it was after the Holy Spirit had already been given to them. After they had been claimed by Christ through faith and baptism, then... They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayers, right? Uh, So they listened to what the apostles had to say and what the apostles had learned from Jesus himself. They had fellowship with one another. They ate meals together. Perhaps this is an early form of the Eucharist, and they prayed together. Faithfulness. It's a pretty good description of what abiding is might look like, like we talked about last week. They encountered Christ through faith, and then they committed themselves to faithfulness. Apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayers. And so, of course, when we do these things, we continue to encounter Jesus. We get to know him better. That increases our faith and encourages more faithfulness. So a relationship with Jesus sort of gets the cycle spinning in the right direction. A relationship with Jesus produces faithfulness. 
the I in your word fists is inspiration. Inspiration. I'm not talking about like Vince Lombardi or chicken noodle soup for the soul or whatever that was. Uh, it says awe came upon everyone. I love that phrase. I, I could have used the word fasts and just used awe, but that sounded a little Linton and we're not there yet. So um, awe. They were awe-inspired. Inspiration. They were really in awe of Jesus in all of the gospel, and particularly in all of the work that they saw the Holy Spirit doing in them and around them. Right? They expected the miraculous to happen. They wanted to see God at work around them. They wanted God to do for their friends and for their loved ones what God had done in them. The same thing. So their relationship with Jesus inspired all. Now, isn't it easy, though, to get distracted I mean, we've got work and family, we've got bills to pay, we've got our plans, we've got, uh, we've got, we kind of find our lane, and we get in it, and we just stay in it, and we kind of lose our all because it kind of just seems routine, right? Uh, we can lose that wonder at who God is, and what Jesus did for us, and, and what Jesus does for us and through us. I mentioned in a sermon during Advent, that I'm sure you remember very well, uh, that I had, um, I had lost my all. Right? I just, why? Because I've gotten busy doing God's work. And, and I just had taken my eye for a little while off the ball. It's easy to do. It, it takes discipline. It takes faithfulness. A lot of times it takes repentance. But we lift our eyes up to the person and work of Jesus through those acts of faithfulness. And we find that Christian maturity looks more and more like childlike faith. It's like, wow. All. A relationship with Christ produces all, uh, inspired all. So the S, the first S in fists, is uh, service. Service. A relationship with Jesus produces service. This is where we want to talk about that wheel that's on the back of your um, bulletin that we see. This sort of our, we call it our membership map. And last week we talked about three of them. So love today, service. Loves people care. Christian people go. Uh, we see that these Christians in this early church were generous, right? They Everyone had their needs met because of the work of Jesus in them. They were selling their stuff and giving the money to whoever needed it. They were serving each other. They were serving their community. And remember, this isn't, this isn't after years of discipleship and the years of getting used to the idea of being generous. This is, I mean, this is just a few days, really, after Jesus ascends and the Holy Spirit comes down uh, in Pentecost. There is virtually no distance between their coming to faith in Christ and they're serving others. They're outward focus. So if a relationship with Jesus helps us not only to do what Jesus did, but to love who Jesus loves, then a relationship with Christ must produce service. Right? We love God because God first loved us, and we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Now, I would love it if everybody in this church had, uh, could identify as having a ministry Something that they do regularly, repeatedly, and they engage in as an overflow of their faith to serve the church or to serve the wider community. I'm not trying to make you busier than you already are. You're, you're plenty busy. But, but to say that sometimes, sometimes we have to give things up in order to, to, because our priorities change a little bit. And that's, that's probably okay. But you want to do what Jesus did. You want to love who Jesus loves. You know, I think about there's ladies in our church who love to quilt and they've sort of stayed within that passion. 
and that gift, that talent they have, and they've made lots of beautiful things for our mission partners with Her Song, which helps victims of uh, human trafficking, and St. Andrew's Interlochen, very, very poor community down in uh, Putnam County, and they've given their stuff away within their gifting. I think about men and women who like to do yard work, and so they show up here one Saturday a month and uh, play in the dirt a little bit and, and make the grounds look beautiful. Uh, I think about uh, people who like to cook in our parish, and so they provide meals for people who are recovering from surgery. Your call, what ministry you have, is just the intersection of your gifts and what you enjoy doing and what need is around you in the world. And so we can talk about you being a, a greeter or, or welcoming newcomers. We have newcomers coming every week, which is wonderful. We're so glad they're here. Uh, we can talk about you being a, a minister, a part of the a Eucharistic minister, a part of the choir. Uh, we can talk about being a Sunday school teacher or visiting shut-ins, all sorts of things that you can do. Or let's say you'd rather do something outside the church. You want to feed the homeless. You want to help build houses for the poor. You want to teach uh, rescued victims of human trafficking how to cook. Or how to balance a checkbook. It's so great. There's so many ways that we can serve. Never out of a sense of moral superiority. Or sort of um, uh, social superiority. Any sense of that just out of the love of Christ. That has taken up residence within us. We're grateful for what we've been given. So we want to share. So there's all sorts of ways to serve God. Inside the church. Outside the church. Through regular repeated engagement. In fact we're working on ways to sort of make that really tangible. And and you can sign up. But just think about it. Pray about it. Talk to Trent and I about it. We would love to help you with that. Plug you in. Um, we're doing what Jesus did. We're loving who Jesus loved. We're building up the church. And we're serving the community around us. All with his love and his empowering spirit. So loved people care. We've been loved here. It creates a sense of care in us. And then Christian people go. Take it out. So right out of the gate, we see these early Christians in Acts demonstrated that a relationship with Christ produces service. So the T, time together. Uh, day by day, it says, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home. And we spent a little time talking about fellowship last week. I won't belabor the point. But beyond gaining knowledge, which is important, and beyond service, which is also very important, one of the greatest gifts that the church uh, has to offer is community, right? a sense of belonging. It's a real glorious sense of belonging to something that is greater than you are, bigger than you are. Not just a, just not a, a little part, but a, a valued part, a worthy part, a welcome part. Uh, and particularly when what you're a part of, that community, is, is the body of Jesus Christ here on earth. So over and over again, I hear from people who come and visit us, what a warm, welcoming church this is. I love, love hearing that. Uh, we love each other, and we always welcome people in. We spend time together because of our, our relationship with Jesus. So think about what we've got so far, this faithfulness, inspiration, service, time together. That really creates a life of peace, doesn't it? Peace. Uh, when people are devoted to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread and pair, uh, prayers, when, when their gaze is heavenward, they're awe-inspired uh, so that they're continually looking at the work of Christ and of God and who he is. Uh, when our focus is not on ourselves but on serving others and we're enjoying time and community. And that's just, that's, that's a good life, man. That's, that's the life of, of peace. You've built a life that cannot be taken away from you. 
Right? You have built a life that will endure the difficult news from the doctrine. You've built a life that is far more grateful than greedy. You've built a life that has, is immune to loneliness. Because you have a life that's centered on what's really important. It's a life of peace. And you know what happens when a whole bunch of people in the body of Christ get together with this life of peace? It's our S, our final S, and fists. Spirit-led growth. It says, day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. And this is why our membership map is a circle and not a line. Right? Because we go out. We meet people, we love on them, we invite them in, and they worship and study and learn and fellowship with us. Healthy things grow, and just like healthy people grow in their relationship with Jesus, uh, like healthy plants grow in your garden, healthy churches grow. It's what they do, and you'll notice that it doesn't say, day by day, the Lord added to their numbers those who are fed up with the dysfunctional church around the corner. It doesn't say... Those who, uh, day by day, the Lord added to their number. Those who like this preacher better than that preacher. What it says is these were new Christians. Those who were being saved. Uh, these are new Christians drawn into the vibrant, peace-filled, spirit-filled community for which Jesus died. They come because they were invited. Or because they Googled us and found us and were warmly welcomed in. However it was. And they find for themselves here the hope that we all have through our relationship with Jesus. And that is why we exist to help people, wherever they are in their spiritual journey, to live into a personal and intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. Not to grow for growth's sake, but to introduce people to God, and especially people from Mandarin and northern St. John's County, to introduce them to people... uh, Introduce them, <laughs> introduce people to the God that we love because he first loved us. That would have been much more profound if I'd said it clearly. <laughs> <laughs> to introduce people to the God that we love because he first loved us. And you know what you can do when you see all this happening? Yes! You pump your fists. Amen? Amen. Amen.